Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for checking us out. Uh, this is Big Blue Die. Uh, I'm here. This is Manny, and I'm here with. I'm Matt. And I'm James. All right. And today we're going to talk about monster creation a little bit. Um, I, I, I've been looking at what's going on in different role-playing games. I noticed there's a trend again. It happens every every so often, maybe a few years or so, where there's suddenly new books coming out with with powerful monsters. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Chaosium put, is put out this month. They put out um, uh, Nameless Horrors, which they put out previously. And it's, the book is pretty much it's six adventures, but it's pretty much giving game masters new ways of making or giving them an idea of how to use monsters differently. You know, instead of using the typical, you know, um, uh, monsters that they use all the time. Uh, DCC is coming out with Dungeon Denizens, which is very interesting because DCC, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Dungeon Crawl Classics has never put out a, a monster manual of their own, like ever. You know, they want you to make your own monsters. Uh, but right, they're coming out with, right. with, with 500 monsters that you can use for 5e or for DCC. And uh, there's another one coming out by Hitpoint Press called Big Bads, where it's another collection of uh, creatures and, and big monsters you can fight. So I was, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, and I, I kind of wanted to explore why is that necessary? You know, uh, why is it that we have this need to create new monsters all the time? Um, I, I have some theories, um, <laughs> but before I, I uh, give, give a monologue and just show off how incredibly smart I am, let me. Uh, Pass the baton to someone else. Let, let the dumb people talk first. That's right. That's right. Okay. okay. Uh, well, um, so the, uh, you know, speaking of the, uh, the Dungeon Crawl Classics Monsters Manual, uh, in their original book, they uh, at the monster section they laid out their philosophy that every monster be is, should be unique. And so mm -hmm. there was no such thing as a standard monster. And they basically took this anti-monster manual stance. And, and I knew that wasn't going to last. I mean, it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't think they could resist putting out a book of monsters. But... I remember when I first got the book myself, it was the same yeah. thing. I was going through. I was like, there are no monsters in here. And this first thing that I really craved looking for. So it was like going into the third party stuff to see if there were yeah, monsters. Yeah, they, they had a few monsters, but it was a very short section. But. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so um, why they do it, uh, you know, I think uh, I, I, I honestly think crassly they're they want to keep making money. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inherent problem with an RPG business, like with running yeah. a business. Uh, Gary Gygax said that the open the, the secret that we must never let them the players know is that they don't need us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. you know paper pens dice and you can all do this all yourself um and even if you have a system that you like you know you the the companies make a great game they put out a great game and if they've done their job well that's it it it, it yeah. you know people can play that one game for decades and have fun which is great unless yeah. you're trying to pay rent off of the game <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I got, as usual, I got no problem with, with companies wanting to make money oh, at what yeah. they do. And and you look at, uh, before Dungeon Denizens, um, with DCC, uh, I think I think what they were specifically trying to do really was push um, uh, the, the scenarios that they were writing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I actually, I don't have an issue with that, mostly because of the level of quality that comes out and quantity of scenarios that they continually pop out. I mean, as it stands now, specific to DCC, from um, Games itself, there's probably about... Oh, God, where did they start with, with the first one? Um, Sailors was... Because I know before... Because they're still listed under the DCC as, as Goodman Games. Yeah. 67 was the first DCC um, uh, published scenario. Um, and they're just crested 100 so yeah. I mean, that's a considerable amount of, of of produced scenarios and then there's all sorts of uh, third-party stuff that's available and every one of those comes with monsters with yeah. unique monsters so. well they need you need that to be able to to, to run yeah. that specific game yeah. and and, uh, and I, I think that sort of belies the whole uh, maybe even the at the table how we 
use monsters is that they become specific to story we want to tell. I mean, sure. how how often have have we as GMs created a, a session uh, for for gameplay that was, a, was like, oh, I saw this cool creature, let's create a story around that. You know, uh, like I mean, that's you know, if it's not that, then it's a cool trap or or something. But but most of the time. It's that monster. It's like, you know, if we're going to go hack and slashing into the dungeon, what's the big bad we're, we're going after? So, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. I, I, I think that's what they were, they were embracing and then, and then trying to, you know, let's, let's, let's continue this product and this company by making quality scenarios. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to sound uh, crass or disparaging. Uh, their stuff is great. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I applaud any new book. From, yeah. from uh, DCC and oh, and, and totally, I, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, to, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't attacking you at all. Just there <laughs> are companies that are like, I mean, some that should not be named, create a lot of just stuffing and fluff that doesn't yeah. really yeah. add much. And I like to think that DCC, everything they've actually produced, adds to their, to their catalog or to their, to their, yeah. to their game. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but so. Uh, today we're talking about making your own monsters or not, not buying monsters. Um, so when I, when I think about making, making monsters, I think there's really three reasons to create a new monster. Hmm. One is you simply want to surprise the players a little bit. You've been playing a long time. Everybody knows what an orc is. Everybody knows what the holder is. And, you know, even if you, you know, the first thing you try to do is like drop the names, like never give a monster mm -hmm. a name, just kind of describe it. But even then they can recognize it. They say, oh yeah, right. That's a troll. Pass me the flaming oil. <laughs> you know. uh, and, yeah. you know, so, so the first reason is the, like to surprise the players. Um, and then, and the, and the next reason is kind of to challenge the players with something new. And I, I think that, and the other reason, the last reason, which is often where we end up is to challenge ourselves as, as creators and DMs. Like, oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. right? so, yeah. so in the first case, if you're surprising a monster, I think the easiest thing to do is, is to just change the appearance or kind of reskin the monster. Like yeah. let's say you've got a you've got a you want to use a rust monster because you're a jerk, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but you you can't describe it right. Everybody knows it's a big armadillo creature. Mm -hmm. So let's say you make it a big blue lobster. That's it. It has exactly the same yeah. stats. It just looks like a big blue lobster. So your players yeah. are not going to know what it is, and they're going to fight and attach it, and then it's going to hit them with their feelers, and it's going to rust. Yeah. yeah. Same mm. thing. So that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, the second thing uh, is if you're trying to challenge them, again, the easiest thing to do is to add abilities to monsters that already exist. Flying skeletons, you know. <laughs> or um uh you know fire breathing orcs or or something crazy like that um and um you know some games are easier to do that with others uh you know oce has old school essentials has such a small monster block and they're so concise it's really easy to just you know change them and use generate them. something yeah exactly yeah and um only when you want to get really serious and spend a lot of time and create yourself should, you know, should you sit down and create a monster whole cloth. I mean, that can be yeah. a lot of fun, but, you know, don't make more work for yourself than you need to. Well, it can be a lot of work, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I like I like that, the notion of challenge that you sort of bring up, because I think there's, there's another element of, of creating challenge, um, because typically you sit down at the table, and everybody, like you said, everybody knows the rust monster and everything. And they, and you've got you've got a bunch of players at your table who more than likely have read through like the uh, the bestiaries and stuff like that. So they know all the monsters. They know what they do. So he's like, you know, they know what a troll looks like. So they know the meta. It's like, oh, we gotta get fire or whatever. When you beat the meta um, and and give them something they have no idea about, then that challenge becomes it, it's it's less about 
an actual, you know, mechanical or mathematic mathematical challenge, it becomes a role playing challenge, which is in and of itself hugely rewarding as a player. And if you can pull it off as a GM, it's fantastic too. Um, and and then and also like that idea that, that you bring up of reskinning. I mean, I think we've probably all done that because like a not just for just ease of use. I mean, you want to create a new monster. I mean, like we don't all have, you know, 24-7 to create these scenarios for our players um, every weekend or every other weekend, however often we play. Uh, but the, for my own part, the easiest way to have done that is like, okay, well, let's start off. What's what's a similar creature, at least physically? It's like, okay, yeah. we'll take uh, the bugbear as close as we have in mind or bear or whatever. And I'm like, okay, we'll take that as our, as our framework. We'll just wipe away the name, change a few of the special abilities, change the description of it. There we go. Whole, whole new yeah. monster, same stats, easily done, you know, yeah. uh, zips up yeah. uh, and, and you're on your way. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, uh, a terrifying um, proposition because I know a lot of GMs are going to sit there and go, well, it needs to be balanced. And, you know, you've got these professionally created monsters that, you know, have gone through play tests and they figured yeah. them out and stuff. I said, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, because you can usually run it on the fly, but at the same time, there's some GMs who are a little crunchier and like that, so you just take something that already exists and reskin it, as you said, and, yes. and there you go. It, it doesn't have to be a huge, you know, uh, endeavor, and, and it doesn't have to be uh, an intimidating endeavor either. Um, but then, okay, uh, with my own experience, um, right now I'm writing a few scenarios for Call of Cthulhu, um, one for Alex Yacht of uh, Critical Hit Publishing with his uh, Grindhouse games. I'm going to be in uh, Volume 4 of the Grindhouse uh, volume, so I'm very excited about that. But he was he, he was very interested in, in, in creating new monsters, new challenges within the mythos. So I had to come up with something, not had to, I wanted to come up with something new and, and different. And... Uh, and and obviously when you're dealing with a horror game versus a fantasy game, you're dealing with different uh, different outcomes you're aiming for. For the horror game, you want to create something that, that is scary or terrifying in some way. Um, and, I mean, obviously that can happen in a, in a regular fantasy game as well. Um, but but obviously with, with Call of Cthulhu, you're going to have something that needs to be a little more visceral in some respects mm -hmm. um uh and so starting with that i mean uh, manny we've had this conversation before about you know uh scaring the player versus scaring the uh the character uh, as yeah. two separate kind of concepts um which fascinates me and and normally as as a as a scenario writer i'm i was more concerned with scaring the character than scaring the player because I was usually more like, well, players going to look through it right off, but he knows it's not real. It's words on a piece of paper. I don't, I don't want to worry about that. With this new one that I was trying to work with, I was said, okay, let's actually try and create something that is going to disturb and terrify not just the characters, but the players as well. So I wanted something that was just kind of disgusting and and terrifying to witness and, and just put that image in the player's mind's eye so that they could better convey it to the character as well. So uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I don't want to spoil anything because I'm, I'm very proud of the monster uh, and, and more details will come out of uh, about the, the Grindhouse stuff um, as we go, I'm sure. Uh, uh, I'll talk about it some more as we get closer to uh, publication. But uh, but having, it, it, is, it is a task. But but not worrying about the mechanics at the beginning, I think, is is my key thing. Is it come up with the concept? What do you want to express with this with this creature? Um, regardless of whether you're creating a scenario like I am for publication, so there's a little more you know mechanics and crunch and math needed to be associated. But also when you're just making one for your players and stuff, you know. Uh, I, I, I still think at that level, you still there's still something you're trying to say with this choice of monster. So you need to figure out what that is that you're trying to say. Uh, I, I think that's vital. Um, and, and and understanding your story um, is is kind of part and parcel with understanding the monster you're creating. Hmm. Okay. All right, Manny, this is your idea. How do you make monsters? Okay. Well, this is the thing. I, nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, this is the thing. Nowadays, I, I stay away from that. Let me show you why. You know, and then I like to hear your inputs about it. Um, the reason why in my in my games that I don't like making new monsters is because what's great about using other mo monsters from different manuals and so forth is that it's it's almost like a neutral element. So you bring this neutral element into a scenario where that if the players uh, their their characters die, I don't feel as guilty because that's the way it's made. <laughs> if I I've made creatures that sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I, I will homebrew it in a way where it may it may seem like it doesn't make sense if it was to be written out uh, uh, for for a game because I I like to put my own spin at things. There, there's a history and and have, may have abilities that I just couldn't get it to work by the rules, so I just kind of make stuff up. And sometimes in the past, when I was much younger, I would get worried because they might become too of a power for the players. I mean, even if something as simple as an extra attack per turn, that could that could really uh, unbalance the scenario big time. It may make something you create a little bit too powerful. Um, so uh, unless the story calls for it, I try not to homebrew or create new monsters for scenarios. Um, NPCs, yes, I will. I love creating NPCs, new <laughs> ones, and, and as different as they can be. Uh, most time, players don't fight them, um, and if they do, I you know have my own spin to them. But but um, monsters, though, uh, I, I try not to. And what what do you guys think of what I've said? Well, um, is that something you so, ever come across? Well, if you're, you know, I, I think. Uh, James touched on this. If you're worried about how balanced the monster is going to be, um, then as we were saying before, reskin the monster. Make a whole new monster. Just use a stat block that already exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, okay, I want a, a monster of a certain power level. I don't know, five hit die, whatever. Um, so find something in the in the monsters manual that's that you know hit die. And then uh, make it look completely different, so it looks like a new monster. Or, you know, swap out one ability for another, so it still has the same number of abilities. You just kind of give it a new one. Um, so then you can oh, kind of. Oh. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, the kid snuck in. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Oh shit! I just locked myself in. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> oh no! You, you locked yourself. My in. wife can. Yes, I locked myself in my room. <laughs> my wife can come save me in a minute. Oh, okay. oh goodness! We can keep I this just... in the episode if you want. That's kind of fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so my point was, um, you if you're worried about uh, preserving the kind of balance of the game, you can just modify monsters at the same level. If you're worried about creating new monsters. Now, on a deeper level, um, I like uh, kind of an old school sort of uh, uh, game where um, I'm not worried about about player balance or game balance at all. Um, now, I do want to play fair, so um, what I try to do is telegraph to the players how much danger they're in mm -hmm. before the fight so they can go holy crap and turn around and run yeah. away yeah. like for instance so i mean you know you said extra you mentioned extra attacks okay so let's say there's some extra attacks and they and and they get to the monster and they have a hireling and and the monster just you know dices the the hireling the little tiny chunks in a minute and the, the players now know wow, this monster is really dangerous. And then they can make a decision. So then it's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you played fair. It's That's not your fault. You yeah. said, this is really, really dangerous. I warned you. So the players have to make a decision. And if they engage anyway, let the dice fall where they may. That's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, the whole balance thing. Um, uh, I follow um, Dennis Detweiler, of, uh, one of the, the devs of the Delta Green RPG Online. Uh, I'm dropping names, sorry. Um, oh, that's cool. But he, he's been talking recently about balance within games, and he says it's a complete fallacy and completely unnecessary and unneeded because yeah. inherently these games should be unbalanced. 
Um, and, then, and particularly when you're dealing with something like Call of Cthulhu um, or Delta Green, which are mythos based. And, and the whole idea is you are powerless against these, these forces and entities uh, beyond your understanding. Um, so balance is just, it's, it's stupid to try and achieve within a, a game like that, especially when it's, when you're dealing with, with the, the, the monsters that you're facing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think you could see that to a, to a lesser extent in fantasy role playing as well, because if, if everything's perfectly balanced, then, uh, the idea of challenge and, and a requirement of skill becomes less needed. So yeah. you want them yeah. to be difficult, and you want them to, to 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 be to be hard. But I think I think the the, the way to make that work is it becomes less of you know. Uh, so well, they hit harder and do more damage than me hard, but make your monsters more of a puzzle to figure out. You know, it's mm -hmm. like okay, the GM can lay hints that you know, like take the troll for example. Uh, if your players don't know about the troll, then you need to find a way narratively to express to them. That, that they have a weakness to fire um, so that that evens the playing field a little bit more. Yeah, he had his thing super strong and he, he took out, you know, Joe Blow NPC with, you know, one whack to the head uh, and he gave us trouble in the bar last week. Um, but you you discover through their narrative and the role playing, oh, wait a minute, this creature is very, very susceptible to fire. Right, oh. right. Players so, have to be smart. And, 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 yeah, and building that into your to your characters is definitely key and important, I think. Yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah, to call back to, to Manny's question, though, about is it even necessary at times, I agree 100%. I mean, there's there's such a, a dearth of, of materials out there to draw from. It's like, they're, like I mean, you, you go to drive through RPG, you throw a stone, you're going to hit 17,000 bestiaries for a few different <laughs> systems. I mean, there's, you're, you're spoiled for choice, quite frankly. Um, and, 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 and also, there, there's so many tools out there where you just like, you have a set of tables and you roll five times and you've constructed a monster completely randomly. Uh, sure. there, there are options out there. For people who don't, who who are either uh, worried about uh, a lack of creativity, which people shouldn't worry about that, even though they do, um, uh, there are tools out there to 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 make monsters on the fly that uh, that are very usable um, and and quite frankly really quick. So I mean, especially if you're if you're one of those GMs who just makes up a game it's like okay we're sitting down we're playing hold on, let's go where do you want to go left right and so you're you're creating monsters on the fly and stuff like yeah. that these tools help with that in the moment um so having to think that you have to recreate all this stuff and and come up with all these stats and, and even just searching through the monster and you'll find a reskinable monster or something like that you don't necessarily have to go down that path if you think you're you, you can you can use these tools to your advantage as well. So I, I don't I don't want to sound kind of like elitist in saying oh you need to make your own monsters to make this work kind of thing. No no you don't you 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 don't need to be able to make monsters as many as, as I'm essentially implying. I think it's like you have so many tools at your fingertips that it, it's almost kind of you just don't have to lean into the tropes. Of the monsters that are out there like like using the troll because everybody knows the troll it's just so standard there's so much other stuff that you can just yeah let's try something different hmm. yeah yeah um a couple things um i think players need to be smart and um they need to they need to disengage and run away you know okay so your <laughs> characters don't know what a troll is okay so they fight the troll and it just keeps regenerating well that's the time to run away Yes, and, and um, you know, you you might be thinking, well, how the heck can I drop this into the narrative? Well, leave, maybe the players should do it. Players go back to town and do some research, and and read some stories about trolls, and then mm -hmm. and they say, oh wow, maybe we can use fire, you know, take some rolls, or you can even give them. You know, they have two different stories, and one says fire, and 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 the other one says lime jello i don't know whatever <laughs> and they have to go back and try either one so you know um 
don't. One would hope they try the fire first before the lime jello. It depends on the type of game, but yes. <laughs> the lime jello is not working. The lime jello is not working. <laughs> that troll be so confused. <laughs> but, uh, you know, another thing just occurred to me though. Um, you can make. Okay, so th the reason, as I started by saying, you know, why do you want to make new monsters? Uh, you want to you want to surprise the players. You want to challenge the players. You want to challenge yourself. You know, one thing you can do is use the the standard monsters uh, just as they're presented, even in the basic rule book, but play them differently. You know, you know, I've been having a great time rediscovering old school D and D, and all these kind of charts and 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 tables and things that when i was younger and i was playing AD, playing D, D, i just thought oh those are all kind of weird and fuddy-duddy and we don't need anything but i've been going back and actually reading them and some of them are magic my game has improved so much since i started using the monster reaction table it is as mm. a, a, a simple two die roll to tell you how the monster reacts because you know in so many of these games the monsters react one way they fight to the death right yep that's that's really unrealistic i mean mm -hmm. fanatics and people backed into a corner and 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 um animals defending their children fight to the death but that's it <laughs> other people you know they break off so, um, so, you know, when my players encounter a monster, I roll on the chart and, and you can get some really surprising results. I think Manny was in a game and, uh, they were actually helped out by a friendly mimic. Oh, the mimic was just very cool. Mood, out. <laughs> Who says the mimic has to try to kill you, right? You can roll on the chart and like, oh, look at that. Hmm. <laughs> so the players can talk to the monsters. Mm -hmm. um and 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 negotiate with the monsters uh and um the the other thing that's really that i've started using is the uh the morale of the monsters as i was saying oh, yeah. very few things fight to the death you know you got a bunch of cobalt and you killed their leader there's a really good chance the other ones are going to surrender or run away scatter and and, and there's there's the other thing i mean killing everybody and looting the bodies is easy what the heck do you do when they surrender? <laughs> now, the players have a serious problem. Now there's a role play. You know, suddenly what was a straightforward combat is a role playing challenge. Mm. You know, the whole rest of the night can be arguing about what to do with the prisoners. <laughs> and you know, and, and to be fair, some some players will find that tedious and boring. But sometimes, yeah. you know, if everybody's in it, you, I've had whole sessions that just came down to a discussion about what to do and everyone is having a great time. I just sat yep. back and let them do it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't, you, didn't you tell me a story once about uh, the whole session, all the players were interested about what to do with the sword. They were like in a cabin somewhere or <laughs> yeah. in a hideout. Yes. And all they talked yes. about what to do about this so magic that's item. That's nothing to do with well, monsters, but since you bring it up, I'll tell you the session. But, so I'm running a session for these two guys and uh, there's a uh rebellion going on in, in 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 a nation right so this guy's trying to take a throne to trying to win back a throne and everything um and his claim hinges on this heretical uh, i mean this 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 heirloom sword it wasn't even a magic sword it was just like it, it was just like the sword of the highlanders or something it was a symbol of kingship and through a weird series of events my player characters ended up with the sword and they weren't really involved in the um rebellion it was kind of a side plot they weren't doing it but they had the sword and they sat in a cabin and debated what to do with the sword for the whole session hmm. and they had a blast go back and forth you know the the only the only problem with the session was 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 me. I, I mean, I was 
I was down to, you know, role-playing the weather occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) But I still thought it was a good session. I counted it as a success because they were really, really engaged. But anyway, that's that's very cool. (laughs) You know, but but to go back, uh, if I may change the subjects just slightly, big bats. Now, I I talked, when it comes to monsters, I've already mentioned that I homebrewing um, had to be very careful with it. But I'm not like that with Big Bats. And what I mean by Big Bats, for those of you who are maybe older than the Buffy series, I believe that's where the term came from. Um, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire series. Uh, Big Bats pretty much like the boss or the the, boss the main monster, yeah. the main bad yeah, the main bad guy at the end or main bad person. Um, and uh, but that I kind of go. I, I all right. So I have this when I when I'm running a game, I try not to go like. Like, you know, I try to make the game fair, balance as much as everyone having a good time, the monsters are at adequate level with their fighting and so forth, danger, the traps and all that. But when they find a big bad, if you choose to fight War Duke, I'm going to use that <laughs> as an example, because War Duke is one of my favorite old school D&D uh, NPCs. Um, uh, I go out. Oh, the Dragonlance cartoon. No, not the Dragonlance. The um, no, no. D&D but cartoon, it, right? It was a D&D cartoon. It was a toy and it was it had some... Um, it wasn't some modules back in the day, but I just always loved the look of the character. Um, was the guy with the white face? No, no. The, the, the half helmet. armor and the helmet. Yeah, half armor, half blue armor. Half, looks like a half barbarian. Oh, someone's looking. <laughs> I, 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 I got a huge computer in front of me. I might as well look him up. The age of Google. <laughs> oh, okay. This it's basically he's a walking helmet. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, a muscle man with a helmet. Yeah. Okay. No, not that I tried to reduce him at all, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is. But, but I get the strange. Aesthetic. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange design, um, but I somehow it works for me. But um, again, that's a way different topic. Um, we could spend a whole next one we do is going to be all about War Duke. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when the it comes to the big bad. I, I love homebrewing uh, the the mods, uh, the big bad. It should be someone that they don't they don't know anything about. It should always be surprises. It should be extremely difficult. I, I I've always played the end scenario kind of like those old school uh, kung fu movies, Shaw Brothers, things like that, where you get a bunch of people fighting the bad guys and maybe one or two survive at the end. That's that's how I, I make it very climactic, very movie like. You know, it's very tense. Uh, of course, as long as the players are okay with that. But usually the players. <laughs> I've been playing with usually are very cool with very insane movie-like scenarios. So is that something you you've dealt with as well? Have you done? Uh, how do you do? How do you? Where do you go when you decide to make the the, the main um, uh, big bad in your game? Yeah. Well, okay, maybe not the main big bad, but I created a, essentially a mini boss. I guess you could say who would be like the one of the main big bads, main henchmen, as it were. And and I spent couple weeks building this 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 character slash feature was for um star wars d20 um and and so i'm constructing this this dark jedi and all these abilities and all these force powers and i'm like i had planned for him to to be uh, a, a reoccurring uh bad guy character that would show up now notice i said the word planned <laughs> this is yes yeah, so this, so this the yeah so, uh, so I, I, I brought him out, and I had created a house rule for my for my players that if you roll uh, in in terms of attacks, because you know with d uh, twenty systems, typically you roll a twenty, that's a, a crit crit threat. Uh, if you roll a second twenty, that it's like uh, a double damage or something like that. It, it doesn't doesn't change anything. I created a house rule that you you had the option of rolling. The d20 a third time and if you roll a third d20 that's an instant kill so i mean it's like it's astronomical that that's going to happen well guess what happens Uh, the the character that did it he was and he wasn't even built to be a uh a a highly offensive character Uh, he made a jedi consular who was a diplomat 100 and his his day job as it were was being a tailor and that's what he was more uh more more serious about it. i mean they'd get on planets and he would go to textile shops and look for new new stuff to create clothing and stuff like that and that's what he was excited about um and he was the one who happened to face off against this thing first and lo and behold 2020 and i'm like mother she's a freaking and like i said this character that i spent so much time building 
gone. And I mean, I, I roll with the punches. I'll allow it. I think, and I think the lesson is there in there is that when you create these big bads and even the the, the, the henchman big bads kind of thing, you have to be able to accept that uh, they may not do as well as you hope they will, because players are always going to find a way around it, um, regardless of it, of luck or uh, gameplay skill or whatnot. Um, so, so in in that creation, you need to also think about about the personality i think of that character because i think going back to your whole the, you, you talk about those the tables of, of creating uh monster responses um your big bads and and sometimes to a lesser extent the, uh, the henchmen are going to have more complex personalities um, sure. and motivations uh and, and emotions um which make them more interesting and more uh a, a much different encounter than go into room bash bad guy on the head with my hammer several times until he's dead um because there's going to be likely a conversation or, or there's going to be a lot of subtext to what's going on mm -hmm. sometimes again again depends on how narrative and how story driven your campaigns are some gms just want to walk into room bash bad guy on head till he's dead and collect his loot and move on I, and there's a place for those games don't get me wrong if you want um <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think I think when when you with with Manny's kind of concept of the big bad um, implies something that's has a little more nuance to it than just you know uh, a, a stat block in the room. Um, yeah. And 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 I think that's where the the real creation of these monsters and these uh, these big bads come from is is in exploring their character as opposed to just their stats. Um, and I think I think it's important not to forget to create the character, and uh, especially when you're dealing with a big bad. Um, if you want to, it, to me, if you want to create a really satisfying villain, it can't be just something that is uh, villainous and 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 imposing just because of its abilities. There has to be more to it than that. Uh, and just it. And, and building that with your players and and or and the characters and if characters have a history with that when i i, I did a, a pirate scenario um as a campaign for my players at one point and session zero i had them uh create their backstories and this and with everybody's backstory says give me two enemies from your past and two friends and a couple of players had the same enemy from their past this dark ex-captain of theirs that they marooned on a, on a on a on an island and left and they said it was just super dark and they, they, they scared them to death so they got they got as far away from him as possible and then at some point in the middle of our campaign they encounter him again with him without him knowing that that's who they were they see him and they're like oh my god we have to get out of here now now the rest of the players don't know this guy so mm -hmm. all of a sudden the world building and the lore building of this character that they know is being built by my players but he's got so much personality and texture all of a sudden. And and, and that's the other trick. It's, I didn't have to write that. I didn't have to create that. I left that up to my players. And right. I just used their ideas and ran with it. Uh, and and yeah, it was it was it was it it, it was perfect. Because it's like I said, they had two players who were, who were like looking through a spyglass at the ship that was coming after them. And then I say, Oh, and you recognize the dark beard and, and the, the black eye patch with bird <laughs> on it. And they're like, mm. and it's like they say, "Oh, well, you see the color drain from our color," and and this is like turn around. It's like, okay, we are booking it and getting the hell out of here because we we do not want to face off against anything. And and that's the you know I didn't even build stats for this guy yet. I was I was I was vainly hoping that they would not want to 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 engage with him, and I, I was able to achieve that because they created a foe that they were terrified of already and they were able to communicate that to the rest of the players um and and thereby i've created a monster without having to worry about stats and it was satisfying it was satisfying for the players because they want somebody that they're going to be afraid of and that they're going to that, that's going to be scary and challenging um but i didn't have to worry about having them fight it so it was uh mm -hmm. that was fun that was uh, very memorable um, in, in terms of, of, of gameplay and creating that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. how, how about you, Matt? 
Uh, well, when I'm... Hmm. Okay, so... I... I'm a little... I'm a little different. I, I don't really like a big bad guy as a... I, I, you know, like the story is all pointing towards him. He's like at the end of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I create my villains as creatures or, or, or people who are doing something, they're, they're, whatever they're doing, that the player characters find villainous. I mean, the, it's, the, the villain often doesn't even know about the players yet. And he's doing his own thing. And, and he's not really going to try to swap down the players until they make a nuisance of them. So the, the players have to kind of seek him out. Um, and, um, you know, I, I try to mix it up. You know, a, a villain doesn't even have to have great stats. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to have a great ability. I mean, you know, you know, the, we have all, all the tropes that we use, you know, all the, the movies and the books and all the, the great evil wizards and everything. But it, it's sometimes it's interesting to remember that the villains from history, um, if, if you look at like the three worst people you can think of, right, you've got like Hitler, Stalin and and and, you know, Genghis Khan, for instance. Only Genghis Khan could beat you up in a fight. <laughs> if you broke into the room and, you know, Stalin's sitting at the table and you at a club, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's an old man. You know, that's not why he's dangerous. That's not why he's a villain. It's it's because he controls this vast totalitarian, uh, you know, state. And Hitler has these legions of killers. So, so you know, you can kind of mix things up a little. Maybe when they finally bypass all of the, uh, you know, all of his guards and all of his tricks and they find the villain, he's an old man in a tub. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, he's done terrible things, but he doesn't have magic powers. He's just a terrible, terrible person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know... Uh, no, that works perfectly. That's, yeah, that's having that's those great. resources. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that leans more into the, a more narrative and, and story-based approach to, to, to role-playing and, and, and jamming, uh, which I'm, I'm all for 100%. Um, uh, and I, and like, it's, it's obviously, it's something I think as uh, both as a writer and as a GM, I probably need to lean into a bit more because it, it should be something I do more often. I think I just, I like the splashy, uh, uh, you know, weird monster at the end kind of trope um, sure, uh, sure. myself. And there's nothing wrong with that trope. It's, 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 oh, no. it's a great trope. Um, I, you know, I like to try to mix things up a little bit. And you can have mm -hmm. both. You can do both. Yeah. Things. Maybe, oh, yeah. the, maybe the, the, the terrible monster is the pet of the old guy in the tub. Yeah. So you can do both. You 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 have the the terrible thing, but the the villain is is is, is the weak old man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, there, there are ways to sidestep it too. I mean, it's like uh, think about the movie Iron Man, and our main villain is uh, Obadiah Stane, who is just a regular old man, as you say. But he climbs into this empowering yep. suit of armor at the end yeah. of the film yeah. and becomes something else. So there are ways to. To, to sort of you know do both at the same time that that work that can work both thematically yeah. and and narratively like like the this the the, the ironmonger armor it, it works for the idea of the character and yep. the whole movie as a whole as well yep. so um but but not sacrificing the fact that this is just an old dude in a suit you know i should say you know you you were you were talking about the 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 narrative and the story and everything um those words make me a little nervous when i'm running a game because i try to run a game at least in you know uh my my old school D, &D you know i'm looking for a kind of a a verisimilitude 
And life doesn't have a narrative until afterwards. <laughs> it's only yeah. it's only when you look back on it. So so I try to I don't want to run a game. And again, there's this is just me. Anybody can run mm -hmm. game like, but I don't want to run a game with the plot and, and set pieces. I run a game that happens in a location and there are NPCs who are doing things. And then the story emerges from the setting and the player choices and the dice rolls. Yeah. And all of those together create an emergent narrative that kind of rises by itself. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't pay any attention to pacing or plot or scene i just want this to happen the way it happens like if my if i have the big bad guy and um my players decide that you know what we can't take him on or we want to do something else and they turn aside then that's where the game goes oh, yeah. follow them i mean i think as as a as a dm uh, when you're making monsters and PCs and all of this great stuff you're making, uh, you have to maintain a sort of Buddhist non-attachment to it all. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. to be able to let it all go. Your dark Jedi gets killed. Yep. Oh well, there he goes. Uh, uh, you know the the players don't follow the the adventure hook. Okay, follow yep. them. The story follows the players. And you have to just be able to let everything else go. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, and, and, and in my defense, when I use the words narrative and 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 storytelling and yeah. stuff like that, it's it's a it's a player facing concept, right. as far as I'm right. concerned, because I create a framework. And I will create set pieces and stuff like that because I like set pieces. I come from a filmmaking perspective, but. But the creation of the story comes with how the players interact with the framework that I've created. So yeah. uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, that's I the way maybe it should you did. be. I just yeah. wanted to be clear. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I think this is, like, this is a, a discussion for another time. But, but it, it, railroading and how, how GMs can uh, uh, overly control situations and, and how that drains the experience from perhaps the players and how sometimes it works, but for the most part, I'd have to say it doesn't. Um, yeah. But again, like that's, it's a conversation for a different time. So it's a completely different topic, but, uh, but no, I, I like said, just to defend myself. Yeah. Storytelling yeah. Is, is a player facing, you know, cause, cause the lore of these monsters and, and big bads that you're, that, that it's going to emerge. It's going to come from them, not you. You're just basically presenting them with the first year. Boom. Here's the, here's the thing in front of you. Create your lore around him now. Um, and, and you doing the session zero stuff where they help create that does that as well. You know, they've created that the character and the and the personality of this villain um, and, and the reputation more than anything else of, of the, these these villains and these monsters um, start with the players. Um, so they're creating the story. They're creating the narrative. Uh, and you're a good GM is reacting to it. Um, as opposed to creating it, um, for the most part. So, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. Uh, 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 TLDR. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> what is TLDR? I'm gonna that that you know I haven't never been able to figure that one out. Too oh, long too, didn't read. Too long didn't read. Oh my goodness. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, that now makes sense. There's my ignorance. <laughs> I'm an old guy. I, it yeah. took me a long time till I figured out what it meant either. So yeah, yeah. So you know. Manny, you were you were talking about making monsters, and you're worried about making them too powerful, and and that reminds me, um, you know, when I was talking about how to make you know reasons to make monsters, you know, I use challenge a lot, but you know, the other thing you can do, you don't have to go up, you can go down, <laughs> you can make weak monsters and silly monsters, and you know, mm. just monsters who are interesting, right? You know, what's that? Well, it's a flying turtle. Uh, likes riddles, Does, you know. It's got half a hit die and uh, you know no attack. You know, it, you know it'll try to steal your rations if you're not paying attention. That's it. You know, mm -hmm. not 
everything they meet in the dungeon has to be this giant killer monster. I mean, the rust monster, for instance, was originally kind of a joke. You know, I think they did <laughs> in different editions, but originally it didn't really it didn't really have much of an attack except those little feeler things and it you could scare it off with loud noises and it was like a little puppy. <laughs> so you know, they're we call them monsters, but you know, they're really creatures. Yeah. Not well, I mean, what there's there's nothing more empowering to a player and, and having been one in situations like this where you get into a situation where you're mid fifth, sixth level, you're pretty powerful, and you walk into a room filled with like goblins, and you know they're peons and they're nothing, and they're going to attack you, and you're going to slaughter them. Yeah. It's going to be fun, regardless <laughs> of how one-sided it might be. So yeah, creating <laughs> creating the, the, the peon dip, dip monsters, you know, uh, sure. there there is a place for that and for that uh, that level of enjoyment. And after all, it's like especially fantasy role playing game is uh, it is a uh, it's a power fantasy. So you yep. definitely want to be able to lean in that because if all you're doing is creating insurmountable challenges for players. Well, that works for some games and some settings and some systems. Um, there are some where that's sort of not what the player is looking for. The player in, in a lot of these games is looking to be powerful and looking to, to overcome the bad guys. So, uh, and yeah, it's it's fun being that. It's like, I mean, having memories of playing a monk who has, you know, just the, the, the continual like, <laughs> and just like, <laughs> goblins flying everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I I played a monk once. It was it was mm -hmm. pretty cool. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, I I think I think also creating conceptual monsters as opposed to just stat based monsters. Um, have you ever heard of the? Um, oh, dang, I lost the page. Um, uh, the false hydra. Oh yeah. Is that a concept? Yeah. Oh, okay. What uh, now, okay. Basically, it's it it is an actual monster, but it it can't be just played as an encounter because conceptually it it takes up an entire scenario because of how it works. Essentially, every time you see it, um, you forget that it exists, <laughs> and that that's that's really slimming down the concept of it. I mean, um, if you're listening to this and you want to check something out really interesting, check out, look up the False Hydra on online, and, and you'll, there's several different places with stats, because I think it starts started off mostly as a uh, as kind of a, a philosophical Dungeons and Dragons experiment more than anything else. Hmm. It sort of, you know, found a life of its own and got stats and stuff. Um, but yeah, if every time you see it, and it's, let's say you come into this town that, you know, mysteriously people have been vanishing over the last, you know, two years, and they just don't know why. And people are, you know, are afraid. And there's this one nut in the corner saying, oh, there's this monster that takes things all the time. He's the only one who's been making his saving throws, apparently. Um, <laughs> but, but every time they see him or they see the monster take somebody, they forget that it happens. So it's, there's just there's a whole layer of, of possibilities in storytelling that exists from just this this monster, and it can't just be. I mean, to to take a monster like that and just have it be the end boss of a dungeon is, uh, for lack of a better word, wasteful. There's yeah. so much more you could do with that, and so it's, it becomes a creation how, that yeah. Mm. How do you do that? I mean, because obviously the players are going to remember. So, mm -hmm. so the that, first idea yeah. I have is every time it appears, you describe it differently. That can work. I, again, I, like I, I don't have all the stats and the, and the stuff like well, I have it sort of in front of me, but um, it, that that becomes the whole experience of of the session with this monster is figuring yeah. out how to overcome that and i mean i think it, it also will take uh, the right kind of role players who are going to be able to say okay i i get what you're trying to do so yeah i've forgotten about the monster off the bat um and 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 they play it and they understand how to role play that um mm -hmm. 
and 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 obviously there are ways of of putting it. It's like maybe maybe it's not completely wiped from your mind. There's something. It's like one of the players has this weird dream, and they wake up in a cold sweat, and it's like, what did you have a terrible dream? Yeah, there was this thing. What thing? I don't remember. Uh, and and so just and and all of a sudden you have so much richer moments to create from this this one monster that, like I said, just becomes more than just. An encounter, it becomes the entire reason for the session, maybe yeah. even longer. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, con conceptualizing your creations like that, you know, thinking thinking of them beyond just being uh, end boss, you know, um, of, of a dungeon or whatever, but but maybe maybe there's 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 more you can you can build, you know, laterally with it as opposed to just you know being you know walk into the room, hit it with my hammer till it's dead. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so enough theory. Let's try it out. <laughs> okay? okay, so uh, my wife and I were talking, and I do not remember exactly how we came up with this phrase, but we ended up with referring this creature called the pseudo duck, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and so I'm going to add it into my dungeon that I'm writing, the pseudo duck. Pseudo so, what is the pseudo duck? What, are, what can we do with that? We, we're going to start with a name and work backwards. What is the pseudo duck? Okay, Anyone well, what? Any ideas? I mean, first of all, it's not a duck. That's, that's the first thing we know. <laughs> I, was th I was thinking clockwork. So, so oh, probably, well, pseudo, fake. So, it, it's, yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking like it could be a clockwork, you know, like a toy, and it just kind of ran amok. Like, um, like, a, like a duck decoy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a construct of sorts. Construct golem, golem. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think first place was like fake duck. Um, uh, okay, funny me is like, oh, it's a chicken. Um, uh, Non-funny <laughs> me. Non-funny <laughs> me. I'd probably go with boom. some. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I pick it off the mask, whatever. Um, <laughs> Let's see who the uh, duck uh, really is. <laughs> oh, <it's a> chicken. <laughs> um, I, I would go with. My first instinct maybe would go with something maybe kind of amorphous, uh, like some sort of uh, shape-shifting uh, ooze or something like that. Like a, like a um, mimic duck. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you could even go in the direction of, uh, have you ever heard of the, um, I can't remember the name of the monster. It was in the, the first Tome of Horrors. And the monster is what looks to be a tree trunk with a squirrel sitting on top of it. It's the wolf. This... It's, it's called the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, yes. And it first appeared in the expedition to Barrier Peaks, there and you go. it is a it is a tree trunk with a rabbit sitting on it. Mm, yep. Yeah. To me, it's, yeah, it's genius. <laughs> I mean, first edition had some of the craziest monsters, and mm -hmm. the dungeon level I'm describing I'm, I'm writing now is is a garden being tended by a flump. Mm -hmm. I love flumps. I think they're hilarious. What's a flump again? A flump? Okay, a flump was the only lawful good monster in the monsters manual. One of them. It's it it um it looks like a white um cross between a a stingray and a jellyfish, and it floats, and it's got big eye stalks and tentacles, and it's kind of telepathic. And it propels itself through kind of a jet motion by releasing gas, so it farts its way through the air. <laughs> and uh, it, it's lovely really looking, and it's it's lawful good. Then <laughs> it looks like another one of those that somebody thought was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So okay, so we could have the like the the pseudo duck could be a clockwork creature, you know, like a like a like kind of a gnomish thing. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a, a shape-shifting mimic creature, like you know, the the duck quacks up to you, and suddenly its back opens mm -hmm. up and eats you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! So, so and how then, do we use the, the the pseudo duck? Is it is it a decoy? Well, well again, what are you, what are you trying? Yeah, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to scare them? Are you trying to decoy them? Or are you trying to hurt them? You know, I don't know. I'm trying to use something called the pseudo duck just because I yeah. love the name. <laughs> well, I yeah. think that I, I think I think 
understanding what you want to do with your monsters is is important. So, so first of, of all, it's surprising because they're okay. in a dungeon and there is a duck. Just okay. like a plain old mallard, yeah. green-headed duck. And you're thinking... Sounds like we've got a gazebo situation here. And immediately the player should say, there's something wrong here. There's a duck over there. Yeah. <laughs> if it yeah. walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's going to kill us. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's. I think that every player has done that, and, and all of us know. You you know the, the the gazebo reference, correct? Oh yes, I do. Yes, yes the gazebo. Well, that's reference. that's what the duck is, and that it's like you know you see a duck, and, and well, everybody knows what a duck is. Um, <laughs> if the GM is telling you you see a duck, eh, obviously it's one of two things: it's either really a duck, or it's not. And for the most parts, players generally think their GMs are pretty sadistic, so none of them are going to think it's a duck. So Now, wouldn't it be fun if it was just a duck? The I surprising mean, <laughs> thing is, okay, the, the, the real twist would be the pseudo-duck is a duck. <laughs> it just somehow it's found, it found its way into a dungeon. It's just a duck. Can you imagine? Because you create the lore in the local town, and everybody's talking about the pseudo duck, and the and it's like there are all these rumors and everything surrounding. Like nobody has survived seeing the pseudo duck, and da, 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 and all that. And so they come across it's, the duck, and it's just like, just like it was a wizard a familiar, duck. and the wizard died, and now there's just a duck wandering around. Hmm. <laughs> or okay, yes, all right, it's a normal duck, but as the wizard's familiar. The wizard loved this duck. And so he gave these this duck all these protective charms. So the duck is like this immortal duck. You know, it's, it's got this yeah. magical invisible shield around it. It's got a ridiculous number of hit points. And it, you know, it might bite you for one point if you annoy it, but you just can't <laughs> kill the stupid duck. It just keeps coming back. A regenerating duck. Maybe the wizard's name is Sudo, S-U-D-O. It's Sudo's duck. There yeah. you go. It's not a Sudo's duck. Sudo's duck. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> but this is where it comes in. It's like, I mean, I, I, I see so many opportunities for, for players and GMs to have fun um, yeah. with this yeah. stuff. And, and, and again, it's, you know, people building their monsters and stuff like that. And like, even me, to a certain extent, when I made my Dark Jedi, you, you sometimes forget that everybody still needs to have fun, including yeah. yourself. And yeah. and I spent all this time building this character and this and and for it to get killed in its first encounter, the first one of the first times it gets hit, um, it was it was like it was a little disappointing. Yeah. And at the same time, really friggin' awesome from my yeah. other player. Cause like, you know, I'm gonna lean into it because I love giving my players yeah. the, the chance to have a cool moment. Um, but but in, I, I think I think all of us sitting around the table. I mean, ninety nine percent of the time we're goofing off and being idiots. Um, <laughs> and if we just lean into that, sometimes that's just wonderful. And uh, having the duck be a real duck would be. I, I mean, I could, I, I can I imagine because the players are going to create the tension, they're going to create the fear, and they're going to create the monster all by themselves. All by the themselves, duck. and it's just oh, a duck. Oh, that's brilliant! That's gonna I be need good. to use that. Oh, I think I will. I think I will. This, um, that is that is pure DCC, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's like yeah, you have a title of something like that. You have a layer of the pseudo duck, um, and people will be like, "What the hell?" And so, oh, oh, man, that's awesome. Oh. We need to talk about this a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually have, believe it or not, I have a duck story, uh, an RPG duck story. Okay. And uh, this is, um, it's kind of like the gazebo story. <clears throat> so in college, um, I was playing with a couple of guys, and, and you know, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, we were playing, um, we were playing Spelljammer. And so the DM allowed us to make characters from any setting, you know, any uh, second edition setting, so they could all come together in Spelljammer. So that was kind of cool. You get stuff from, you know, Dark Sun or Forgotten Realms, wherever you are. So this one character, this one guy made a character from like the the uh, Oriental Oriental Adventures. 
And in the uh, Oriental Adventures Monsters Manual, there was a type of creature, and I can't remember what it was called, but they were shapeshifters. Um, so they could turn into different animals. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've already I've given away the end of the story, and <laughs> but <clears throat> one of the so in in the in the the stat block there were different animals they could turn into it like a fox or uh you know or, or or a deer or some of this other and one of them was a drake and so um <laughs> if you look up drake in the monster's manual it's a dragon-like creature and so this friend of mine was playing this type of creature that could turn into a drake and so we're going on all these adventures and, you know, whenever things get tough and everything, he turns into this little dragon, you know, this dragon creature and flying around doing stuff. Well, one day I'm sitting in my, my room and I'm looking through the monster's manual, you know, as you do. And I'm looking at the um, the write-up for these these creatures that, that he's playing. And and I thought, well, that's really weird that one of them's a, dra a dragon, right? Because this one's a fox and they're all like small little creatures. And I was reading down the stat, and I said, you know, for a dragon, this isn't very impressive. Uh, you know, it's just kind of small. It <laughs> can swim really well. That's really weird. And I thought, wait a minute. Drake. I've heard that somewhere before. So I get the yeah. dictionary and look up Drake, and it's a male duck. <laughs> and suddenly it all made sense. So I was like, it's yeah. not a dragon. It's a duck. duck. <laughs> I laughed myself sick. And, and because every time I stopped laughing, and I was just getting, I would, I would, I would remember an adventure we went on, and suddenly I would be picturing the scene. Only instead of a dragon, he turns into a duck, and there he was in the middle of the fight as a duck. Yep. Oh, jeez. Pseudo Drake. As as an epilogue, I should just point out that when I told the, the GM and the player, the poor player was mortified. But the GM, I think he did the only possible thing and let him continue to play as the Dragon Drake instead of saying, nope, now you're... <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, my God. I, I think that's a great way. This is... That's a great way to end this session. Yeah. Um, so yes. Um, <laughs> so everyone, um, hope you enjoyed our discussion. Uh, please um, like and subscribe or follow us or whatever you do on podcasts. The variation of that. <laughs> How are these things? Click yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> some so, stuff. Uh, press some buttons. So yeah. So stay tuned as I now I'm going to write my script for my hour long War Duke explanation uh, for the next podcast. <laughs> That's right. Next episode, War Duke. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Take care, everyone. <laughs> Later. <laughs>